As Americans, we love packages. They make things more appealing. And a spoonful of sugar sometimes helps the medicine go down. Has anybody here ever eaten fish? Has anybody here ever eaten toothfish? Toothfish. Nobody has. Well, actually, you probably have. Has anyone here ever had ch- Chilean Sea bass. People are eating so much of it that they're starting to talk about dangers of extinction. Another fish that was hard to sell was the dolphin fish. Not, not the dolphin that's a mammal, you know, that breathes, breathes through its spout. No, an actual fish. If you've ever seen a dolphin fish, they're unusual. They don't have a pointed nose. They kind of have a, a nose like a bus. Kind of uh, goes up and then straight down, and they can get quite large. Well, when they started selling it by its Hawaiian name, suddenly it took off. Who's here ever eaten mahi mahi? The dolphin fish. Power of naming something, the power of a label. Has anybody here ever cooked with rapeseed oil? Not very many. It was hard to sell rapeseed oil. Oil, so they call it by another name, and most of us probably have it in our kitchen. It's called canola oil. When we approach our text, often people have tried to label it to take the sting out of the truth, out of the what's called the hard sayings of Jesus, with things like, oh, Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. What is hyperbole? Well, politicians use it a lot. It's called exaggeration. It's kind of like setting your clock ahead 30 minutes, you know, uh, your alarm to 5 a.m. when you really want to get up at 5.30, you know. Here's where we're living, and Jesus wants us living here. So he says things as though he wants us to live here, but he really wants us to live here. Here, and we wouldn't live here if he didn't tell us to live here. I, I don't agree with that theology. I think he said what he meant, he meant what he said. I think the Son of God, the Word made flesh, the Word of God made man. I don't think God became a man so that he would have to distort the truth. Now, the things he said can be hard to take, but they are intended to lead us to Him for help. Lord, I need Your power. Lord, I need Your grace. I need Your forgiveness. I need You to enable me. I need You to help me not to water down what You're saying to me today. So that that being said, let's just dive in here. Jesus says in verse 38 of Matthew 5, You have heard that it was said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
You know, you kill my dog, I'm going to kill your cat. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him also, the other. Jesus actually did this. They hit him in the side of the face, slapped him while he was blindfolded, and said, if you're a prophet, tell us who hit you. He kept his mouth shut. In other words, I think he's saying if someone insults you highly, brace yourself to be insulted some more. Don't retaliate. Verse 40. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. So there's basically three items of clothing in people at that time. There was the undergarment, the outer garment or the tunic, and the cloak. In the law of Moses, you were not allowed to take away a person's cloak even if they owed you money and they couldn't pay you. Their cloak was their bedding. Their cloak was what kept them warm when it was cold. Don't mess with their cloak. So if you sue somebody, you can sue them for their tunic. Well, Jesus says, let them have your cloak too. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. What in the world does that mean? Well, in that day and time, when he was speaking, a Roman soldier, a footman, not having a horse to ride, would get tired carrying his gear across country or through town or from camp to camp or from base to base. And so they could draft volunteers to carry their gear for a mile. It would be a great inconvenience, you know, if your husband sent you to the store or your wife sent you on an errand, you would become very much delayed in coming back and have some Lucy, you got some splaining to do when you got to the house. Obviously, this probably applied to men more than women. But Jesus said, go ahead and carry their gear for a mile and go two miles. Which basically meant, if you were a good walker, an hour of your time. Because wherever you go, if it's not where you're going, you got to walk back, right? So one mile becomes two, two mile becomes four. Give to him, verse 42, who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Be generous. Verse 42, you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, the law did say to love our neighbors, but it never said nothing about hating our enemies. But I say to you, verse 44, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Sometimes we go through things like this and we feel like losers because we didn't retaliate. In reality, you're not a loser. You're a winner. Well, if I, if I wasn't such a jellyfish, if I, if I had a backbone, I'd have stood up for myself. Well, according to what Jesus said, if you didn't, you may very well be led by the Spirit. Verse 45, that you may be, if you do these things, you may be like or you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son, S-U-N, rise on the evil and the good 
and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. If your garden got watered, your nasty neighbor's got more, got, garden got watered too by the rain. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same? Or crooks? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect or whole or complete, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, this is the New King James, and the Old King James also says perfect. Unfortunately, it says perfect. It should have been translated complete. People read that, well, I'm not perfect, nobody's perfect, and disregard everything Jesus said. No, there is a wholeness or an integrity to us as a child of God when we learn to be kind to people that don't deserve it. When we learn to lay down our lives for people that may not appreciate it at the time. We are representation or sons of our Father who does that kind of thing. The fact we're sitting in here today and we haven't been burned alive by the wrath of God is because God has divine restraint and chooses to bless those who are unworthy. That's his grace. And we demonstrate that grace when we live by the same pattern. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that your word would speak to us, challenge us, encourage us, renew our minds, and transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. In the movie, entitled 42, Branch Rickey, played by Harrison Ford, is a major league team executive with a bold idea. Branch Rickey recruits Jackie Robinson, played by Chadwick Bozeman, a Negro baseball player playing in the Negro League to break the unspoken color line and become the first modern African-American major league baseball player. As both anticipate, this becomes a major challenge for Jackie Robinson and for his family as they will endure and do endure unrelenting racism on and off the field from player and fan alike. As Mr. Robinson struggles against his nature to deal with the abuse, he finds an ally in Branch Rickey who is also a Christian. On their first meeting, Jackie Robinson asks Branch Rickey, Do you want a player that doesn't have the guts to fight back? Here's that dialogue. You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? No, I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. Give me a uniform. Give me a number on my back. I'll give you the guts. You want a player that doesn't have the guts to fight back? No, I want a player who has the guts to not fight back. People aren't going to like this, Ricky said. They're going to do anything they can to get you to react. If you respond to a curse with a curse, they'll only hear your curse. If you respond to a blow with a blow, they'll say the Negro, the Negro is angry and lost his temper. He doesn't belong. Your enemy will be out in force, but you cannot meet him on his level. We will win with hitting, running, fielding, and only that 
We will win if the world is convinced of two things. Number one, that you're a fine gentleman. And number two, you're a great baseball player. Like our Savior, you've got to have the guts to turn the other cheek. Can you do it? Robinson responded, give me a uniform and a number, and I'll give you the guts. And the rest is history. I mean, he opened the way for people of color to play in all major league sports. And boy, what a blessing it's been to our nation, especially at the Olympics. (laughs) Today, the sermon is entitled, True Love is Resilient Love. True love is resilient love. What does resilient mean? It's kind of like a rubber band. It bounces back. It's it's strong. It can take a hit, and it can bounce back. Shake on the wall of his office has that plaque that he quoted to you, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken nor bent out of shape. Some of you may be like this right now. I mean, life is just hammering you, and you're done with loving people. But like a good boxing coach, I want to tell you, no, 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 you're going to bounce back. In fact, you're the king of the bounce back. You're against the ropes right now, but you're going to, you're going to love resiliently. This is an awesome diagram of the Lord's love. That obstacle many times has been me. I've been an obstacle to the love of God. Yet he continues to love me, around me, and through me, and to me to get me in operation so I can give myself away for others, so I can let his love find its destination through me. But many times there's been obstacles in me that have prevented that from happening, yet he continued to love me. Apply it to your case as well. You all ready? Let's dive into the sermon. True love is resilient love. It's the basis of God's will for us. This is the foundation of it all. It's not eschatology as important as the Lord's return is. And it's not who married Cain, as important as that may be to some folks. What's most important is do you love your neighbor? Jesus, when asked what the greatest commands were, quoted the Old Testament in Matthew 22. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Loving God is the greatest command, and the second one is like it. This is the first and great command. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. The first 39 books of your Bible, over half of the Scriptures. Hang on, those two commands. Love God with everything in you and love your neighbor like you love yourself. So love is the foundation, amen? You got it? True love is re-emphasized by our Lord. He said the, the, the... Law and the prophets hang on that, and then he hung his ministry on it. He said, a new commandment I give to you in John 13, that you love one another 
as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So he came and loved us and gave his life for us, as painful as that was. He did it for us. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And then he commands us to do the same. Love one another as he has loved us. This is not a Baptist doctrine. This is not a non-denominational doctrine. This is not a charismatic teaching or a Catholic tradition. This is the Bible, the heart of it, front and center and all the way through. We are called to walk in love. It's not easy. But we're talking today on resilient love. You can bounce back and start loving folks again. True love is the sign we are his disciples. This is how people know we're his, we're his followers. By this, he continues in John 13, all, can we say all, will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's not the cross around our neck. It's not the badge on our chest. It's not the bumper sticker on our car or the religious symbol in our yard. It's the love that we have for one another that is the sign by which all will know we are his disciples. And true love is illustrated by Jesus' example. He said, this is my commandment. My commandment, this is Jesus' commandment in John 15, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. In verse 17, he says, these things I command you, that you love one another. So everything he, everything he commanded related to love. True love is not limited by those who love. If it's true love, you're not going to be picking and choosing who you're going to love. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love suffers long and is kind. So even while it's suffering, you can be kind. Because it's resilient. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not speak, seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. True love doesn't practice revenge. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails because love, true love, is resilient love. Martin Luther King at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, not long before he was assassinated, was preaching and brought up possible death. He says, you may have a funeral for me if you wish. You may even have someone speak. But I would hope that he not speak long. I would hope that he not mention my Nobel Prize, because that it, Nobel Prize, because that's not important. I would... Hope that he would not mention other awards that I've received because that's not important. I would not want him to mention where I went to school. I would hope that the speaker would say Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. What do you want said at your funeral? What do I want said of me when I'm gone? Oh, he was bitter. He was vengeful. He never got over the hurts he received in life. 
Oh boy, he got one over on his enemies, didn't he? No, I would hope they would say, you know, he really did try to love people. The obstacles we face in life many times demonstrate the love that's there. It's an opportunity to show true love. True love is the sacrifice of self to God. When we love the unworthy, we're doing it as an offering to the Lord. He said, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Ephesians 5, he tells us to be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. How sweet it is to be loved by the Lord. He gave his life for us. He paid our penalty. He was our substitute. He took our place. And we lived in the aftermath of, aftermath of that. Have you ever been forgiven by someone you hurt? That wasn't easy for them to do, but how sweet it is when it happens. You actually taste the love of God when that happens. Well, we, need, we need to be on the giving end of that thing, not always on the receiving end. This is a map of, scientific map of oxytocin, which has been called the human love hormone. Psychologists refer to it as the hormone of love. When present in your brain, you want to reach out to help and bond with other people. However, in 2011, New York Times had an article that explained, apparently this love hormone has its limits. Research suggests that human oxytocin produces a brand of love that only extends to people of our kind. Oxytocin unleashes a narrow, ethnocentric kind of love that extends to our in-group. In recent studies from the Netherlands, a number of students were given doses of oxytocin, apparently you can inhale it, and then were presented with hypothetical scenarios as dilemmas as to what they would do. In one scenario, the Dutch students were asked whether to save five people in the path of a train by throwing a bystander on the tracks. The five people were not given identities. But the person who might be sacrificed was given either a foreign name or a Dutch name. Now, these students who had sniffed oxytocin prior to these tests feeling the love, were much more likely to favor the bystander if he had a Dutch name and to sacrifice the bystander that had a foreign name. The study concludes that oxytocin only increases our love and loyalty to people of our group. Conversely, it makes us more likely to exclude those who aren't like us. Clearly, in our fallen state, our love doesn't go very that's human love. But what we're talking about today is supernatural love, God's love. This kind of love is a mandate for husbands. The problem with many marriages today is the husband 
expects his wife to line up with scriptures before he lines up with scriptures. When he is called the head of the union, that means the leader. Hello, you go first. Husbands, love your wives, Ephesians 5.25. Just as Christ also, can we say also, loved the church and gave himself for her. Yes, but, no, there's no yes, buts in this thing. God is your father-in-law. Let him deal with his daughter. You deal with your father and submit to his will. Now, ladies, if you're ahead of your husband spiritually, this is no reason to be rebellious and, and not read the Scriptures for your role. But I'm just dealing with the text right now. Uh, husbands are supposed to love. We're supposed to do it. And it's not the oxytocin kind of love when you feel it. Well, I just don't love her anymore. I just don't love him anymore. We're just not in love anymore. No, we're told to love whether we feel it or not. It's a commitment for life. True love is the fulfillment of God's royal law. This is the royal law. Well, I'm not living under the law. I'm living under grace. Thank God for grace that enables us to fulfill the royal law. Look at what James, a brother of Jesus, surely he knew what his brother meant. In his letter he wrote, if you really, can we say really? Fulfill, can we say fulfill? The royal law. According to the Scripture, and here it is, quote-unquote, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. This is, this is the epitome of what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be a believer. Otherwise, we're just a religion like any other's. We can't expect the government to do this for us. This is what we're supposed to do. This is us. This is me standing in the need of prayer. Anybody hungry? Has anybody ever ever had to deal with a mean and angry customer? If you do it right, there could be a great reward for you. This was on USA Today. In their newspaper, I verified it, found it on their website to verify it. Sometimes you find great stories, but you try to verify them. You can't verify them, so I try not to share those. The story goes like this. Every day for close to seven years, Mr. Walter, known as Buck, swords, cursed and stomped his feet in his favorite restaurant, Luby's Cafeteria, demanded that he get his food exactly as he wanted it. It had to be hot. Well, Mr. Swords, it's a cafeteria. I mean, it's lukewarmville. I mean, hello. And he would get ugly about it. Every day, his preferred waitress, though, was Melina Salazar, who offered him a patient smile and did whatever she could to help her most stubborn customer. After years of thankless service, Mr. Swords disappeared. But Salazar was rewarded. He had died at 89 years of age. Just days before Christmas in 2007, I mean, this is a fresh story, he left, 
his waitress, his favorite, Melina Salazar, $50,000 and a 2000 Buick. Now, this is 2016. That doesn't sound like much, but this was 2007. This was significant. Ms. Salazar said, I still can't believe it. He was always kind of mean. Even in his absence, she was kind. <laughs> Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Why am I merciful to Yvette when she needs me to be merciful? Because I, there's times I need her to be merciful. And there's many times... Her, her account, my account is full of mercy I've received from her when I've needed it. It comes back to you. You do it as unto the Lord, you will be rewarded. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and running over. Yeah, but they got, I'm going to give them what they really got coming. Well, do you want to get what you got coming sometimes? Let's pray. Lord, I pray for every person here. There's people here that have been slammed by other people. And the thought of walking in love is painful. Maybe this sermon was hard to listen to. I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would strengthen every hearer to draw courage from your word, to know that they're going to bounce back, that they're going to walk in love again. And Lord, I pray that every person here would receive the abundance of your love for themselves, Lord, so that they can give it away. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you that your perfect love casts out all fear. So, Lord, I pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would flood this place and these people with your love. As we receive from you now, Lord, fill us with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul wrote about the fruit of the Spirit. And he lists a bunch of characteristics. First one is love, then joy, then peace, then gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance and self-control. And some would say, okay, there's nine fruit of the Spirit. But another perspective on it is that actually there's one. It's love. And love is manifested as joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. Eight manifestations of the one fruit, love. Nothing to debate about, but just a unique way of looking at it. May the Lord strengthen you and empower you to bounce back when you're knocked down. <laughs> to spring back when you're stretched beyond your capacity to be stretched. To stand when you've knocked down. And recover when you've been robbed. One of my favorite lines from the movies is from Antoine Fisher, who'd been abused as a foster kid beyond belief. The high point of the film, on the DVD you actually see the man interviewed. The high point of the film for me is when he goes 
to the woman that would lock him in the closet, the woman that would beat him with wet dishcloths in the face. And he confronted her and said, You tried to destroy me, but I'm still standing. And you know what? You may think you're not standing, but you still are. You're still standing. You're still standing. They tried to kill you, but you're still here. Let's stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord God Almighty cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may you love in spite of the unlovely. May you love in spite of the unworthy. May you love even in spite of yourself. In Jesus' name.